houses in Waco aren't really that affordable when you think about it. Because you also, like, by default, based on where you live, you're nearest uh, the Texas Rangers, so you kind of have to be a Rangers fan. So all the cost savings of, of everything on Fixer Upper is kind of put into perspective. Like, there's a 3x multiplier you'd have to do to make, make the equivalent thing of, like, being a Giants fan and, like, the cost per square foot and that kind of stuff. See, I, I don't really... Even though, so the Rangers are division rivals of the Angels, I, I don't really hate the Rangers all that much because the Giants beat them in the World Series. I, I have a tendency to not really dislike teams where the team that I root for has beaten them in a previous playoff series, particularly if it's the, you know, the final round, as, as you would say. Yeah, but I, I don't know. The the Rangers are are a team that I just can't get behind. Are they the one? No. What 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 um, what stadium do they play at? The Arlington Stadium. Yeah. What's it called though? Who who's uh, the sponsor? Well, I thought for for some period of time, I I thought that's what it was called, just Arlington Stadium. But I, yeah, I guess it must have a sponsor now. Maybe that's where HP went to. No, maybe they... it's the HP Pavilion at Arlington. <laughs> no, it's it's the Globe Life Park in Arlington. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. But because so, I've I've been doing a, we're we're gonna talk about fixer upper a lot. I apologize again this okay. week. So people can fast forward that, but they probably shouldn't because it's it's pretty great. This is like the the people who hate sports, but and who instead I guess hate HDTV shows. This would be your segment to skip. Sure, but people shouldn't skip sports anyway. I, I don't get yeah. that. We 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 the whole nerd doing the whole you know like the the hashtag sports ball thing i I don't like that at all yeah no i I agree yeah but anyway okay so in terms of fixer up or fixer up or follow-up um so i finished up season one so there's a thing oh man you're just (laughs) you're you're on a tear it's a fantastic like again i like a low energy tv show like i'm cooking dinner and then the worst part is when when you're doing something in the kitchen that requires your attention but then you hear the are you ready to see your new house and like god damn it don't describe how great it is because i can't i can't see how how amazing it is and and how she opened up that wall i I have to tell you it delights the lady friend to just no end how much you're into the show i i I shared this news with her and it she is just delighted i just there tv every everything in media right now is so complicated like there's like I've I've talked about my like self hating thing where anytime I watch a movie or a TV show, I will like go Google for reviews of it to figure out why I'm a bad person for liking it. <laughs> but like Fixer Upper is kind of like there's nothing you can do about that. Like I've always been kind of like super anti like HGTV just because like we we talked about it last week where like with the financial crisis like there's a whole lot of like irresponsible stuff on there and a lot of it's just like fake. But this 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 show's fantastic. Um. What was I going to say? So, yeah. So, actually, what was I going to say? Um, so, a couple things on Chip and JoJo. So, first, uh, I appreciate the, the their accents and that JoJo calls uh, Windows Windows. It, it's, it's very good and very cute. And also, most couples, you generally don't like whenever they call each other babe or baby, but it feels normal from them. I think yes. that's kind of a homey Texas thing. Like they just, they seem like they actually like each other, but in California, I don't think you can get away with that. Where without seeming like a person who wears like an Ed Hardy shirt, they have a genuineness about them that no one else on that network's been able to capture. Because there are now many, many of these shows. Oh, are there are there fake chips and JoJo's? 
Oh, very much so. No. Almost, almost every one of HGTV's new shows have had some element of a couple being involved. And there's, there's been different iterations of this, mm. but many of them come back to the idea of the show centering around a couple. But none of them have come even close to capturing the, the chemistry t- uh, that Chip and Joanna have. Yeah. And it's, it's you know, for them, they, and yeah, this is why you should read their book. It's, it's, they it's, don't, it's in my audible queue. Okay, good. Yeah, they just, they don't, they don't come from any sort of entertainment background. They never had any sort of desire to do this. And so everything that they're doing on camera doesn't come from some predefined persona that they wanted to have. It really is just sort of them being them. So thank you. That that got my my brain back on track. So no, so the thing is in like cuz I guess like with most TV shows isn't the thing where you get like you probably get like half a season and then they see how it does and then they go for like a full season or two order. So this I won't there there's a really good section of the book about that and I that I won't spoil for you cuz that's probably one of the the best stories in there. Okay. Well, like so my recollection or just like from watching the show. Like again, I skipped a couple of the episodes just cuz they were like I, I didn't like the couples that were on. I'm like, no, you, you know, you don't, you don't deserve JoJo's creativity. Yeah, yeah, no, we, we, we feel that way about some of the couples too. So you're, you're justified there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like around like halfway through season one, like it, it changed. Like the production values went up a little bit, and like the way they approached it, like it's still super formulaic, and there's still a ton of the, the fixer upper math as we talked about last week, which, which. which drives me insane because they're, they're really big round numbers but chip will say it like it's, he's a third grade teacher and it oh it, it it's it kills me but not not that i'm like a terribly smart math person but uh yeah it's it, it's it's very basic you never you never never don't know what the renovation budget was mm-hmm. um and again everything always costs three thousand dollars everything okay <laughs> moving on but no like but around like episode seven or something of season one like it, they, they they modified the format a little bit. I guess maybe they they're like, oh yeah, these two work really well to, uh, together, and we're gonna kind of like we're gonna lean to use your phrase, we're gonna lean into that. Yeah. So like, uh-huh. so like the opening always features a gag of something in the show that was really cute between them. Like like on I think two episodes ago, there was one thing where uh, Joanna didn't know the expression like eyes as big as saucers, which is pretty good. Anyway, it, it's a very good show. Um. The only other thing about pricing, though, that I'm going to, uh, excluding the Rangers thing I was talking about, there was a house for like $410,000 that had a two-acre lake uh-huh. on the yeah, property. Yeah, I remember that one. Right. Very upsetting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then also, I think last thing here in my, because <laughs> I have I, I have like a little notes section for this. Um, what was with people in the 1980s putting intercoms into their houses? Yeah, it 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 is definitely it this is not specifically a fixer upper thing, although they do tend to work on older homes, so maybe it stands out a little bit more on that show than some other HGTV shows, but with any of these sort of remodel focused um programs where again, it's it's typically older homes, some of the design ideas <laughs> of from 20, 30 years ago are really funny. So the like the wood paneling, I get like cause my grandmother's house had it like it, it was a thing like that was the 70s and also well the other, the other trend carpet in the bathroom what what are you doing people oh man oh man i know that's it's bad <laughs> um but yeah but here's the thing 
Joanna's going to tear it out. She's going to open up a wall, put in some French doors. <laughs> the French doors. Anyway, it's it's a it's a are fun. You, are, is that a is that a is that a good mm or a bad mm? It's a meh mm. Just because it it it's it's a it's very consistent. Like they have a playbook and it's good, but uh, but yeah, it's it's always with the French doors. But I enjoy it, and it's a good way to open up a space. And it, I, I would love a house with French doors leading into my estate in the backyard, <laughs> to, which overlooks your private lake. Yes. Oh, oh my god. Okay. Think about how many corgis could run around out there. Oh my! <laughs> I'm here not getting a dog because I'm at work like ten to twelve hours a day, and I feel bad that it'd be cooped up inside. But like, no, I, I could just move to Texas. Just yeah, I could have let a, them roam. I, I, if, if God forbid anything happens to the queen, I could take over her corgis, and they'd, <laughs> they'd be very safe, and they would live a, a, a very nice home in, in America. And they, and they would, the dogs would learn how to spell things without the letter U. Oh, uh, that's pretty good. Yeah, I always appreciate that six colors. You can go there either with with or without a U. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is that's a nice touch. Yeah. Uh, other bit of follow-up or not this isn't really follow-up but this is, this is pre-follow-up um <laughs> apparently what? what is what's happening to the show uh this it jumped the shark like episode 80 uh-huh <laughs> if anybody's still listening god help you so yeah. the the los angeles angels of anaheim they mm-hmm. they seem to have found the like the cheat code for baseball yeah i know like this finally is, so what would this, you, this is this is a genuine finally by the way oh man eh, they've had they've had so much talent on the roster for this really goes back to when they signed Pujols, which was the winter of man i guess that was like 2012 i want to say it's been like five six seasons where they they again they on paper they should be really good but they've they've been awful well so two things with this one um tim so currently they have Albert Pujols and Mike Trout, right? Yes. Okay. But Pujols isn't really good anymore, right? Or does he just not have the team backing him up? He's He's been okay. He's been injured a lot, but he's he's been so-so. But, Mike, but certainly but not Mike Trout as good is still as great. He, oh, yeah. Mike Trout's been the MVP twice. He's phenomenal. And the Angels were also the team that had Tim Salmon, right? <laughs> going way back in the day, yes. Okay, so they're a very fish-heavy team. Uh-huh. I just want to make sure I, I put that together. So no, but I don't... Uh, how do you pronounce his name? Shohei Otani? Otani, yeah. But how, is his first name, was that close? I think so. Okay. But yeah, with him, like, they've, they've found the cheat code. Like, he he's very entertaining. Like, I, I have never cared about the Angels, like, even though I'm from Orange County. But it, it's, it's very fun to watch. He seems like he's got an enthusiastic love for the game. It's kind of reinvigorating the... Um, the Southern California fans to cheer for a great team as opposed to the to the soulless blue team down there. It's <laughs> it's it, it's very good. I, I'm I'm just excited for baseball and it's a good time to be alive. And I'm super bummed. Was there? I may be misremembering the summer, but was there ever a chance the Giants were in the running for him or no? I there were six to eight teams. I want to say that he met with. I I don't think the Giants were one of them, but I I I, I don't recall. Okay. But yeah, it's very good and congrats. I mean just yeah, good on the Angels and and I'm and I'm happy it's it's it worked out that way. He's he's fantastic and he had a really rough spring and so people people were already skeptical of his ability to 
transfer his skills from Japan to the U.S., you know, specifically the idea that he could be both an effective hitter and pitcher. And then again, with his kind of downspring that he had, people really piled it on. There were some people suggesting that he wasn't even going to make the opening day roster. And since then, he's won both games he's pitched in. He's hit three home runs. He's he's incredible. Yeah. The Giants, on the other hand, it's been it's been a weird season. Um, I don't know if you've been watching because I know you you said with the Giants you generally don't pay attention until midseason. Yeah, I you know I, I I've been definitely been a little more plugged into the Angels just because of how exciting they've been early on. Because in addition to um, um, Otani, like we've been talking about, just their overall record is is great, and they're shaping up to be uh, rivals to the Astros this year, which is exciting. Um. But no, I mean, I, I haven't really been sitting down and, and watching games. That that won't happen until, at least until the NBA and NHL playoffs are over. Yeah. I don't know, like, they, <clears throat> they've they had some games um, where, like, you kind of see glimmers of greatness and kind of, like, old old Giants and, like, Buster Posey, like, got, like, a three-run triple. Like, it, like, there was some good stuff going on. But then sometimes they just, they just get, like, crushed by the Padres 10 to 1. Like, it's... It, it, it's weird. And I think right now we're like, we're like four and 10 or something. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful, but it's, 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 the season's definitely not as embarrassing as last year. So it's still fun watching. Yeah. So checking in the standings here. So the giants are six and 10. Okay. They are last place in the NL West. Currently Wait, really? six games. Yeah. Currently six games back of the diamondbacks. What happened to the Dodgers? Yeah, so the Dodgers are six and nine. So I mean the, the the final you know the bottom three teams the Dodgers the Padres and Giants are are basically tied I mean they've played different numbers of games so on a winning percentage basis they're they're virtually tied got it and then the Angels are thirteen and three and they are first place in the uh, AL West mm-hmm. pretty good mm-hmm. moving on to follow-up i believe yeah okay okay out of, out of the pre-follow-up segment into the follow-up segment got it there's a lot to talk about with fixed rapper mm. oh i have one more thing about that except not really. okay only tangentially related the hulu app for apple tv is 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 really bad like really really bad it seems like every kind of seems like every app except maybe the netflix app is no, really bad the netflix app is bad the netflix app has it could be great Okay, fine. Let's pivot to that. The net, if they could triple the subscription cost of Netflix, if they would make a preference to turn off the gosh darn autoplay whenever whenever you hover over anything made like in the last five years, you know how the Apple Play with sound like a trailer or a promo for it. I will. I, mm. I I want that gone so badly because I literally have to mute the TV. Like I hate it. Right. I I guess I've noticed that, but usually in Netflix, I kind of know exactly what I want to watch and just jump right into it. So I, I don't just sort of browse the catalog much. But yeah, I've seen that and it definitely is annoying. Well, so in, in that case, you give the people some suggestions of what, what are some things that you knew you wanted to watch and you went to recently. So I, I, I watched that documentary that one the oscar oh the icarus one the icarus thank you mm-hmm. yeah we watched that good um it was okay yeah it was different than we were thinking it was going to be 
they're they do eventually sort of just get into what the doping scandal was, but there's sort of this whole tangential story to it that leads up to that. So the first mm-hmm. hour of it, we didn't really quite understand exactly mm-hmm. what the story that was being told had to do with the eventual scandal. But then the, basically the last 40 minutes of it sort of just like an info dump as to what happened. So it was interesting, but just the format of it was a little different than we were expecting. Hmm. Overall, would you say at least worth the time? Definitely. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. And was that a Netflix original or was that just something they bought from somebody else in their in their playing? I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I, that, that's that's sort of a almost like a difference without a difference. I don't know. Well, no, like, uh, so yeah, and, and I'm sorry to put you on the spot, but um, I don't know, like if it was if it was Netflix, like from the start compared to something that they just bought the rights to at the end. I don't know. It seems a little bit different. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, but the Hulu app is it's just really bad because it's just not well laid out. It seems to, every time you go to it on the Apple TV, it restarts and it, it hangs for 10 seconds and says, we're gathering what's new, which is really annoying. And it might just be that Net- Hulu doesn't have much content on there, that basically everything it recommends... Like you would think it would just be like let's let's show you what you've been watching recently if there's more episodes of it to watch, but you always have to scroll over a couple of pages to go to the keep watching or the what you've been watching thing, and whatever it shows you in the what's new thing, like I I I don't get it because when they onboard you they're like oh tell us a couple of genres and shows you already like, and then it seems to have like thrown that out the window and whatever it suggests to you is not related at all, so hmm. it's not very good. Um, but I, have you seen the the show Handmaid's Tale? No, but that's been on my maybe list for a little while. So it's coming back, and that is a right. Hulu original. So, like, it has some good content on there. Like, the, the library is, like, probably 120th of Netflix. But I'm thinking, like, I don't know. I, I'm looking for more people whose um, uh, judgment I trust to know if, if, if Handmaid's Tale is worth the investment. Well, I, hmm, yeah, I, it's a very, very, very dark show, mm-hmm. which those are tricky, I think. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to be in the right mood for that. Yeah. So you're saying it's no Westworld. <laughs> I have no idea if that's a pause. I, I assume that's also a dark show too-ish, maybe? I don't know. No, not really. Westworld is just more, like, gritty. And and hmm. has a more of a sci-fi angle to it, which that's the part. Again, I'm probably never going to watch it, and don't worry about spoiling anything for me. But that's the thing where I it's, it's so it's half sci-fi, half western. Like I, I from the previews that HBO Go uh, shows before any content you actually want to watch, um, it, it seems to be half western, half sci-fi. It's not a western. It's a sci-fi program set in a western environment, is what I would say. Okay. But this is no no John Wayne. Mm. So yeah, no 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 Orange County Airport. Right. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that uh, Westworld comes back. The season season premiere is Sunday. Mm. And I, I have not I have not done the uh, I don't I don't know what you dubbed this the the Fretwell TV doctrine or something. My my routine about. Um, getting ready for the next season of of a TV show. Did that ever get a name? 
I, I don't I don't recall. Oh, okay. Now I remember. Yeah, I don't think that ever had a name. But yeah, you you do have the thing where you're like, uh, in advance of a new season, I will watch or that you will watch the last two episodes of the final season or something. Exactly. Yeah, I'll, I'll typically do something like this part of the doctrine is a little looser, but I'll do something along the lines of reading Wikipedia recaps of the episodes from the previous season, or mm-hmm. I'll go on a YouTube and watch some, you know, five to 10 minute recap of the season. And then I'll follow that up with watching the last two episodes of the previous season. Hmm. And I feel like I'm, I'm back into it because I, I find that that's distracting to my enjoyment of a TV show when I feel like I'm spending the first two or three episodes of a season just sort of getting back into the swing of things, like having to constantly be like, who, who's that character again? Or wait, what does this plotline have to do with again? Like that's, that really takes me out of it. So if I can come back into a season and feel like I'm kind of in the middle of it, that, that helps a lot. I mean, that's, you know, that's, I think that's the main appeal of like binging a show, right? Is you just sort of get that constant thread. So we've, we've probably covered this in the past, but do you enjoy binging TV shows? Oh yeah. Very, very much so. <laughs> Even with ones you really like? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. And it's been a long time since I've done that, but but yeah, I, I definitely really do enjoy that. You don't find it cheapens or at least, or like maybe, I don't know. No, I, I, so I get what you're saying there where like for me, even though Lost was just not that great of a show, <laughs> still the anticipation of it, particularly around premieres and finales was always a thing. And then the the best example, because both the quality of the show and then the kind of anticipation around it were there was Breaking Bad, or especially the last season, the the specifically the last half of the last season. That was like appointment television every week. And there's definitely something to that, which you obviously don't get if you're just binging a show. Yeah, that, that's that's the part that seems tricky, like where if you were like, I, like Better Call Saul or Breaking Bad or like those types of shows, I just don't feel like, like if you're binging it, sure, you're getting the story, but you're not... Like, I feel if you just spend a Saturday and you just knock out, like, eight episodes of Breaking Bad, it feels like just, like, all the suspense and drama is kind of removed from it. Like, because you just need that extra time of, I'm not saying you have to wait a week, but you need that extra time to kind of, for, like, the consequences or, like, or just, like, the, the, like, just the suspense to set in. Right. And actually, something that's tricky, too, that I've done this a handful of times, I've done this with the aforementioned Breaking Bad. I've done this with Game of Thrones. I did this with Mad Men where I was, I started a couple of seasons behind and would binge to get caught up and then would, you know, start watching the show in real time. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's kind of jarring because you go from being able just to power right through to all of a sudden being caught up. And so you, it's, you, yeah, that, that's, that's not the best experience either. I don't think. Okay. Um, not related to anything. Did you ever see the movie Baby Driver? Uh, did I did I see that? No, that's the that's the Kevin Spacey one. <laughs> uh, it, it was. I think he is now a reason why people don't want to watch that movie. But yes, he was in it to a degree. Yeah. Okay. I'm, that that this. Yeah, this is the one I was thinking of. No, I've really wanted to see it. Uh, it it's available in 4K on the Apple TV, but I have not watched it yet okay was that a recent watch of yours no it's a movie i've been on the fence on and mm-hmm. i was hoping for a ringing endorsement but 
Yeah. It's the the reviews have been excellent. People really liked that movie. Yeah, and I and I enjoy uh, music heavy or or like uh, movies where music plays a big role. And apparently that's supposed to be a thing with this one. Mm. And also apparently the kid has like a an old school iPod. <laughs> Don't know about the socks. That's TBD. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. I'm not sure if we start a follow up yet. No, we haven't. Okay. I thought we did. No, we're, we're this, is this still pre follow up? This was follow out to the pre follow up. Got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, Nate, Nate Silver has accounted for his priors, and he is, and Five Thirty Eight and his team are moving to ABC News, outside of the ESPN umbrella. Which I, I guess I'm not immediately clear on exactly what that means. Like I, I mean, I, I, I get, I get that it, it's moving to a different like branch of Disney, but I like functionally, I'm not exactly sure what the consequence of that is i don't know but i think it i hmm, i think the integr like I, I don't know anything but i think the integrations are probably stronger with abc news like it was always kind of weird for it to be related to espn just because the main output of them was more for the most part political statistical analyses and stuff like that like they always have had some like uh like sports related statistics and also they just have like some pop culture related stuff too but like it feels like it's it's more tightly integrated into a news property so i think if it's going to stay within the disney family that it makes more sense but yeah but but i'm not sure it makes a a, a world of difference because i don't think it's going to be like i don't think it's going to relocate to abcnews.com slash 538 like i don't think they're going to give up the 538 all spelled out.com square spice that jody has isn't that abcnews.go.com? God, oh. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's dead finally. Like, if you go to ESPN.com, it no longer, like, literally up until, like, 2016, it would redirect to ESPN.go.com. And it would drive me nuts because it always gives me flashbacks to using, like, uh, a, a Power Mac 6400 in elementary school when, when that's the only place we had the internet. And you would go to go.com and it was like the world's weirdest search engine before Google existed. <laughs> but yeah, apparently going to go.com is a insecure website when it redirects to Disney. Um, and in the top header, not, not to pull like an HP or dust off like our old bits, but in the is, top it, header, is it time for our, no, we're not, we're not HP check-in. We're not, we're not there yet. No. And we're not going to okay. talk about the HP pavilion. I'm going to put the brakes on that. Okay. In the, in the header, parks and travel games, and whatever oh my disney is <laughs> the fuck? is that like espn plus uh, apparently there's some lady on a sebastian the crab pool floaty this is weird <laughs> popular posts quiz select your birthday and we'll tell you which 90s disney character you are that seems like a gigantic fishing operation that's that seems like cambridge analytica back in oh action. you stole it ah oh, very nice well well played <laughs> mm-hmm pick a, a quiz pick a disney princess and we'll tell you which disney villain you are buzzfeed has destroyed mm. Mm. <laughs> buzzfeed is really tricky because you you like buzzfeed news comes onto your radar every once in a while right it does yeah it's just so weird that like they actually do and actually think they got nominated for a pulitzer and like and there, there's some good stuff that happened this week with them but like they do a lot of good work, but it's all sandwiched next to the usual BuzzFeed bullshit. Like, you could be reading, like, a really, really serious article about Syria, and 
there's like 32 times we couldn't even when we were watching like Snooky. Like it, it's it's really bad. <sighs> anyway. Uh, electric scooters. What's <laughs> lots, what, what, lots of lots of follow up here. What's the, go, take it. Go for it. So as we alluded to in last week's show, there was an impending um, effort to start regulating the, these things. And I guess just today, um, the Board of Supervisors announced that they are going to implement a permitting program here in San Francisco. No specific details about exactly what that's going to look like, although I guess they sort of likened it to what they've done so far with bike sharing in the city. And they hope to have something uh, in place by May 1st, which seems really, really soon. So if they're actually able to execute on that and put out something that makes sense by April, by May 1st, that that's would be pretty incredible, I think. Um, and, it, you know, in, in between last week's program and today's announcement, there was a cease and desist issued. I guess that was yesterday. I mean, who, who can keep track of when news comes out anymore? But I guess that didn't actually call on these companies to stop operations. That was more of just a warning that, hey, don't have your scooters do anything illegal, which I have no idea how these companies would possibly prevent that from happening. But anyway, I think the long story short here is that change is coming for these things. The city seems to be moving as quickly as they can. And that all seems like a a positive thing in, in my view. It is. I'm. I'm hmm. This whole thing is tricky, and and there's things that are probably not related to exactly what you talked about. But um, so, friend of the show, whether he knows it or not, Mike Isaac had a good thing of. So the, apparently, there's like an emergency, like San Francisco Board of Directors or some type of city council thing that happened, and apparently the uh, the bird people flooded them with uh, employees, but that still ended up in that unanimous, um, like you need permits type thing. But yeah, it's just such a weird issue for the city um, and how it's had such like polarizing reactions from the public. Like some people are like super defensive or on board with it. And there's this weird narrative. And as you know, like I try to limit my Twitter time, but maybe you can tell me if this is something that you see. But like there's this weird thing about like San Francisco backlash where they're like, oh, well, the the city needs to also focus on – like there's so many other problems that the city can focus on, and why is this uh, a problem? When like you 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 can find multiple faults in like a living situation, and 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 think equal like they're deserving of some amount of attention. Yeah, I mean, I like to think that the city of San Francisco is capable of tackling more than one problem at once. So yeah, I, I think I would I would push back on that argument a little bit, and I would also say that. And maybe we haven't made this clear in, in the past, but I'm absolutely not opposed to on-demand scooters in principle. I, I You just called this out, where I, I think there could be a lot of good that comes from these, but the rollout of them just could not be any more irresponsible. And I think they these companies are doing themselves a disservice in the long run to to launching in the way that they have. And I know that the counter argument to this is, well, this is what Uber did and look where they are now. But I just don't think that is the right 
model. I don't think every company should just take the tech bro attitude that Uber did and think that coming in and just disrupting something and not following any of the rules is the right thing. Like Uber very much to me seems like the exception, not the rule. Yeah, it, it, it's very true. And like it, it, because here's the thing, like, um, I would say kind of a middle of the road example to this, like in between this scooter jackassery and Uber, which was also not great, is kind of Chariot, where it kind of operates in this gray area, sort of, where it kind of does provide a public good and kind of plays on the borders of infringing on city infrastructure but overall is probably a better thing for congestion and everything but it generally for the most part tries to play within the rules of a city environment yeah i thought i thought chariot for the most part i know that they got in trouble at one point but i I didn't think that was for lack of permits or anything i might i I might i might be lumping them in with kind of the whole tech shuttle bus thing where they they misuse because i think cherry sort of did this or maybe still does of like kind of using mta bus stops for this private use which is not actually permitted and can delay muni well but i think i think that's what they've i think there was maybe an issue with that at one point but they've gotten away from that I, i think what you also might be confusing a little bit with chariot which is totally understandable which is they sort of launched around the same time that that leap bus system did. And I know oh, like, yeah. like I was a pretty early adopter of chariot and used it a ton right, like basically right after they launched. And for at least the first six months, every time that I said that I wrote it, I would always then immediately <laughs> have to follow up and say, it's no, not it's one. not, it's not that one. Because initially, whenever I would bring that up, people would say, Oh, like you ride that thing. I'm like, no, 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 no. It, it's, it's not, it's not the one that's taking out handicap accessibility from existing buses. This is this is a, this is a good wholesome company. You have to put up put it like on a smocks before you got egged, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, like you're like this is this is a wholesome company owned by the Ford Corporation, right? Right, like, makers of the Ford Escape and the Ford Bronco. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, that is an amazing transition. Bravo to you or me. Oh, thank you. I forget who thank who brought up Ford, <laughs> uh, Ford uh, or Bay Area Bike Share run like i I forget like i don't actually don't know what this is now because it started as bay area bike share which became ford go bike but i think ford doesn't actually do anything other than give money for like the advertising rights but either way i i yeah i mean i've chronicled my confusion around this where it seems like every time i walk by those things like something is different about them and i'll send you a photo and be Mm -hmm. like hey when 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 did these become ford bikes yeah it's, it's it's very confusing like it's been that way for like a year, but like, but so basically, in response, well, probably not in response, but this maybe this was a planned evolution of the program anyway. But uh, apparently, there's now Ford Go Bike Plus because everything's plus, 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 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. economy plus, just right. everything. Um, they are giving their own their own attempt at providing uh, e bikes, which are kind of probably a, a good idea in in uh, a hilly area like San Francisco. Um. And also, like again, it's a kind of not a direct attack, but like it's it's a very it's a direct response to uh, the jump slash Uber e bikes thing. And again, I want Go Bike to succeed just because it's a public private partnership thing that's like embraced by the city directly and 
has some level of responsibility to being uh, accountable and to serve everybody. So, yeah, I hope they succeed. It's so interesting. So going back to what you alluded to a minute ago about sort of Ford's role in these bikes being a little complicated. So... If you go to the bottom of this page that we're going to link to in the notes here. Yeah, who's Gen Z? <laughs> well, there's that. But so the so it's called Ford Go Bike, and even like the branding of the webpage looks just like ford.com. Like everything about this makes it seem like a Ford run thing. But then again at the bottom you look and you see a section called Our Partners and Ford is listed as a partner. Yeah, you're partnering with yourself. <laughs> right. So it's 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 very confusing as to exactly what Ford's role in this is. Yeah, I, I really thought it was like kind of like in New York City, how they were kind of the first big uh, metro area in the United States to do this. And they got a partnership with City, but it's still run by, like, I assume it's still the people, like when this started, it was Bay Area Bike Share. So I assume it's just whatever, like, public-private partnership thing. And it's just they get a whole bunch of money from Ford due to the branding. Well, but so then you look further down on the page here and, and yeah, motivate international. Yeah. Mo- motivate international Inc. But then I guess also when you use the bikes, yeah, the, the governance of the, of the rules around them is by Ford is based on some Ford pass user agreement, which again, that, that seems like more than just a sponsor. I do appreciate the terms of service and, uh, um, transparency in terms of data is is way better than Facebook's. <laughs> I know exactly what they have on me, so yeah, that's good. Have you ever ridden a Ford Go bike? I have not. I've definitely been tempted to just try it, but I just I've really never had a situation where it would have made sense to. Hmm. They're not really they're not really in my neck of the woods, at least where I live. They're they're around where I work. But I, like during the work day, I just <laughs> I don't I don't really ever have a need of temporarily renting a bike. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you just want to, you just want to take some selfies at the Embarcadero, it's, right? And you got to mm-hmm. get there fast, right? Um, okay, so that's that's that. Um, I don't think we actually talked about this last week. Like this this part is new, but did we talk about the weird? Um, let me see if I have the link to the ABC7 story. Um, so Tesla, with the uh, the crash that happened with involving a Model X, I think in early March, there they have been uh, involved in an investigation with the NTSB and figuring out what actually happened. But on the side, the pre- the PR team at Tesla have been doing a ton of other information sharing and kind of a weird thing. Uh, on top of that, and apparently that has come to a head where they have either been booted from the investigation or, in Tesla's terms, they have um, uh, withdrawn their support or their involvement from it. Which is weird, but the one thing I don't think we talked about last week, and I'm trying to scroll up and figure out when, when the last time we talked about it was. Yeah, we, we, we did talk about this last week. What did we talk about their uh, statement about... Man, where is it? I don't. I don't think we really got into that. No, we definitely got into it offline or off off mic, as you would say. 
it's really sad that I that I now in the search history of Slack I can type the phrase "still alive" and it brings me to a press statement from uh, from Tesla. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna read it because this this kind of bugs me. So we empathize with Mr. Huang's family who are understandably facing loss and grief, but the false information that autopilot is unsafe will cause harm to others on the road. Uh, the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration found that even early versions of Tesla Autopilot resulted in 40 fewer crashes, sorry, 40% fewer crashes, and it has improved substantially since then. And then for emphasis, the reason that other families are not on TV is because their loved ones are still alive, is a statement from Tesla directly. So we've talked about how like Tesla is kind of like a weird partner where they... Whenever anything comes up related to their cars, they will use whatever data they have access to and do like a super aggressive PR blitz to either discredit or like sell their version of events. Like this, this incident is like just insane by even their standards. Yeah, the the phrasing is really, really bad in their statement. I kind of see what they're trying to say there's there's a way to say that to, uh that uh driver assistance features and whatever they have in terms of autopilot is a net benefit for safety on the road but that's a super fucked up way to say it right and 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 there's a way to say that listen when accidents happen the communication around the reasoning behind that accident, especially when these driver assistant systems are involved, is really important, and it, it's critical that false information doesn't get spread about them. Like there, there, there are valid points there, but but yeah, you I mean you nailed it. There, there's just there's there's literally not a worse way I could think of to say that than what they chose to do, which. I like I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out kind of a, a bit of a, a bold statement here, which is like Tesla is starting to get a little cactusy. No, most definitely no the full full on cactus. Yeah, because even like when you think about like because Elon Musk Elon Musk has this weird um uh, interaction with reality or like understanding of it. Where he's super ambitious and he is, he's kind of like he's he's very much a a Steve Jobsian figure, in the sense that a lot of people think that his companies are him, and also that within those companies, his direction is kind of like a, a single focus for the company, and like with all of this, and especially like there's now like the the Model Three delays, like where he sets these super aggressive timelines. And now they're like, oh no, we we, we have to fit. We're, we need to scale back automation, and we need to figure some stuff out. So now we're we're going to shut down the assembly line on the Model Three, uh, and everybody who works for us it, that that's all unpaid time. Like it's just all these weird things that happen with Tesla. Like where it's just like, who else is in the room to say that like this is a big business with a lot of people invested in it, and we need to try to actually run it, you know, in a way where it looks like. We're not just some rich dude's like pet project. Like, uh, it's yeah, it it definitely has cactus vibes all around mm-hmm. it. Yeah, it does. It really does. <sighs> well, uh, for the most, I don't know. Uber is now money with wings emoji. The the cactus emoji can be reassigned. On a sort of a personal level, I I continue to be, I continue to be torn about this upcoming car decision that I have. You and I are going to need to talk lots more about that. 
it's starting to become a kind of a, a real thing here. It's like when's your deadline, can, or or when? Sorry, when when is your current automobile situation up? I think it's like June twenty ninth or something like that, and end of June. Mm-hmm. So okay, yeah, we'll chat. Yeah. All right, and then the last one, we're probably not going to talk about it because, like, so this came up on a thread on Hacker News, um, where and, and this was written in a very very Silicon Valley techie fr- uh, framing. There's an article that came up, how Domino's Pizza drove a 90x increase in stock value by acting like a tech startup. So ignore all of that. But I did not know the meteoric rise of Domino's in terms of, of their share price since 2011. Like they were down to two bucks. They were, they were at Bear Stearns level and they are at $180 now. That's crazy. It is. I, I'm like you, where I had a vague notion that Domino's was doing better than they used to. And, and I very much remember when they rolled out their whole, you know, revamped recipe. And I remember trying it for the first time and thinking like, yeah, you know, this is, this is a lot better. I, I was not one of those people who absolutely hated Domino's before, but it was just never really something that I seeked out. Whereas, like now, I think it's it's a perfectly viable fast food pizza option. And I, I think, it, and I think it's pretty good, especially for uh, how affordable it is. It used to be Windows Phone, and now it's Android. <laughs> there you go. It's no iOS, but you'll you'll take it in a pinch, right? No, it, but yeah, like so. That's the thing because, like, I I think we've talked about this on the show before vaguely, but like, yeah, Domino's is. I wouldn't seek it out, uh, but I I wouldn't I wouldn't put it down the garbage disposal. like i mean it, it's i'm sure it's fine pizza it's not run by like some kind of monster like papa john's um who blames uh kneeling for his down pizza sales mm-hmm. but like domino's is, is cool in the sense that like they they launched an entire marketing campaign saying yeah we we, we, we tasted our pizza it's 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 not terribly good um so we're gonna try again and they just did all this like wacky shit. Like I don't like in college. Like I would like uh, old me would go and like I'm like they have they have this like uh, Adobe Flash pizza tracker that would tell you like when somebody's like I'm like that's that's kind of neat. And they just try all this weird stuff in addition to just making improvements to their core product, like in a way that most businesses that are very very established and have thousands of franchises and all this kind of stuff would never do. They also they also do a lot of really just kind of fun things, which mm-hmm. are sort of half serious, mostly just a publicity stunt, but also like the sort DSP of interesting. Stuff. Yeah, and then like they tried out drone delivery down in New Zealand. They're constantly iterating on their iPhone app, which I think now includes some kind of voice assistant. I assume it, they have it, an Alexa skill. I'm 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 almost certain. I I'm almost certain they do. They. I want to say they had an Xbox app that might have been Pizza Hut, though. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, they're they're constantly trying all this different stuff, which, if nothing else, sort of keeps their name in the news. And I, I think that that's that's really smart. Holy shit! They have fourteen thousand locations worldwide. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, yeah, I like like I said, I I I actually think it's it's legitimately good pizza. I would stay away from just about everything else on their menu they do have <laughs> they have pasta yeah they've got and i, I believe me i've tried all of those they they've oh, got God. Wait, they've what? got pasta they've got sandwiches they've got these 
Uh, the, the, the little bread bite things are actually okay. I mean, it, like at the end of the day, I mean, all it is is just pizza dough and different cheeps, basically. Can can you give without giving up too much away? What situations you were trying Domino's pasta? Um, well, I can. I don't. I don't know if I have to think about the pasta example. I can tell you the example of the sandwich, though. I think you'd hmm. appreciate this. Sure. So this was in Santa Barbara. So you'll recall mm-hmm. there was the Domino's in Isla Vista. Uh, and was that next to the Pita Pit? It was. It was next to the Sweet Alley. Which was sort of across the street from the pita pit. Okay. And I got back. (laughs) Well, it's all different now. So, you know. um, Oh, God. There's like luxury condos. And I I know. It's it's horrible. It's and I'm sure it's it's been a couple of years since I've been back. But even a couple of years ago, Mm -hmm. there are parts of Ivy that are unrecognizable. And I I'm not really one of those people that like get super bummed out about that. But it is it's 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 very different. I'll take the role as the Isla Vista NIMBY. Okay. Um. So no. So I was I was coming back to IV from spring break, and I I got back sort of a night before everyone else. I think I got back like on the Saturday night because I I think I had to do something up there on Sunday, and got in kind of late and was hungry and just was like I don't know. It's one of those nights where like you just you know nothing really sounded good. Like none of the none of the regular go to spots sounded good. I thought like I you know I, I want to try something different. <laughs> And again, it was late on a Saturday night during spring break where a lot of stuff is closed. And so like Domino's was open and I thought like, oh, okay, like I'm, I'm not going to get a pizza. I'm going to, I'm going to get something I haven't gotten here before. And so I got, I think there, I think they've got like a, like a chicken ranch sandwich or something. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh, <rich>. um, oh. <laughs> and I, I, I remember this very vividly. I, I, ordered it and ate it like right out in front of they had like a couple of like seating areas right out in front of the restaurant because it was, it was like a nice evening and i was so I'm out there for a chicken ranch sandwich <laughs> so i'm out there eating this sandwich at, at probably 11 o'clock or something at night and it just it just it was just not very good and he just you felt kind of gross after eating it mm-hmm. yeah it, it was just it was not good I've and I I've had the pasta before, but I again I I, I can't paint you the same vivid picture about when I had that because I, I don't remember. But I've definitely tried it. Well, show title. Okay. Um <laughs> Oh. No, I'm just gonna let this one go. <laughs> no, but you wanna you wanna stick with the uh I guess it's the five 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 deal. I think they still do that. You get like three medium pizzas for five bucks each or something like that. No, now now that I'm an adult <laughs> Like or I, I'm super. I don't ever. I, I have I have a hard and fast rule as, as as somebody who I hope is a functioning adult, where I don't buy any food on special. Okay. Yeah, I I can respect. That. I, like, I, I, that. I I I very much try as somebody who who used to be larger than he currently is, and 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 other things, uh, to not ever make food buying decisions based on cost. Yeah. Okay. I I can I can understand that. Yeah. I struggle. I struggle a little bit with um. Costco now, mm. where there's just a lot of stuff from Costco that I used to buy that I no longer buy, just because I just you know why do, why do, why do I need this like three pound bag of orange chicken or something like that? You know, it just huh. okay. Let's let's put a pin in that or or like that's because hmm. I 
sworn off Costco for a, a while. And I, I assumed like you would have two just because like it, I think Costco is only right if you have like a family of five. Because otherwise, you're either somebody who's super diligent about meal prep, which we covered last episode, we are not, or you're just eating, you're like either wasting a ton of food because you're buying too much of it, or you're eating the same thing for a month. Yeah, no, that and that's that's what I'm getting at. I mean, I've, I've been to Costco once this calendar year, yeah. and I think that that was the first time I had been... In some number of months. So I mean, I, yeah, I've, I've been once and probably close actually like to the last 12 months, something like that. Yeah. That's it's tricky. good for, I, I have used, because, you know, they have a partnership with Google Shopping Express. Mm-hmm. So I've used that a couple of times and I've used it for like non-perishables because Costco is still really good for that stuff, like paper towels and things like that. So I've, I've used it for that a handful of times, but for food... Yeah, it's it's tricky. There's there's certain things that are good, like the the individually packaged like chicken breasts, stuff like that. I I still yeah. will get every once in a while, but but yeah, there's there's a lot there. Like I mean, God, like I used to regularly buy. They sell the I think it's a sixteen pack or something of it's it's. Ooh, it's like it's no. like I just I just yeah, it's like I just don't need that anymore. I think I like I honestly believe until like you're a family of four, like you're much better off with with Target, uh, Trader Joe's and Safeway and or Whole Foods just in terms of like food variety, because like the cost savings goes out the window with Costco when you think of the food waste. Right. Because and you, especially you don't, have, you don't have a freezer big enough to freeze all that stuff. So exactly. Yeah. I mean, especially when you get into like, I mean, Trader Joe's is incredibly affordable. So mm-hmm. yeah, they, they get they gets it gets tough yeah. there. A, a true to form chef special, the chicken tikka samosas, very good. I, know, I think I think I think those have been a chef special before. Oh, very. That might have been from our uh, pick of the week days. Yeah, you know, we don't speak of those. <laughs> the, the the dark times. Yeah, that's like episode one through six of Fix Rapper. Before <laughs> they got the full season order, right? Oh, that was the last thing. I'm super proud of them. Oh, I, I apologize. I, I I have a whole ton extra respect for them that even though they hit the big time. Um, because I've been Googling a little bit about them that like all of their, like they have like the silos at Magnolia or something like they have all these like side ventures related to the house, uh, renovation stuff, but they've kept almost all of it in Waco. Oh yeah. No, they're, and they're very, very adamant on their website where they very, they say, you know, in no uncertain terms, listen, you can basically offer us all the money in the world. We do not offer our services outside of the Waco area, so no, yeah, they're they're very very focused on on their local community, which is great. And and I've I've told you that we you know the lady friend and I have gone out there and visited the silos and did all that. And I mean, it's it's really amazing what the, what they've what they've done in that area. Yeah. So yeah, I I guess I didn't understand the scale of this just because like I, my media consumption obviously like just HGTV is not on it. So I, 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 until you told me about it and also until like the series finale, when just like the internet went nuts about it, I didn't know the scale of this. Like they own magnolia.com, like just the word Mm -hmm. and like they have their own paint. Like there's all this stuff like, oh yeah, they have, they have a, they have their own store within a store at Target. 
I've never seen that. Ooh, I, 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 I consider myself like a target expert. And I did not know this. Yeah, you, you. Sh- I think the the display is more prominent in certain locations than others, but there are certain locations that actually, again, have like a full like store within a store. Interesting. Um, and this is not like Magnolia at Best Buy. This is, you know, <laughs> <laughs> see what I did there. Uh, <laughs> zero out of fifty people will get that. <laughs> Um, um also magnolia.com the shopping cart is a wheelbarrow that's pretty good um yeah no when we so when we just to to build on the idea of the scale of this because i think mm-hmm. when i first was introduced to the show i also didn't quite understand that fully but so we went this was not last october but the october before in the the fateful year of 2006 16 and he, Jeez, thank you. 2000, 2016. It feels like it's it feels like it's been twelve years with this with this person, but it's no. Oh, it really does. And you know, I mean, October certainly not some peak travel season or anything. Um, the lady friend had been on a a work trip in Austin, so I went and met her out there. Aww. And I know it was it was, it was a good, good good little trip. And we rented a car to then, you know, drive out to Waco. And even, like, at the car rental place, they asked, like, oh, you know, like, where are you guys going? And we're like, oh, we're going, we're going out to Waco. And they're like, oh, you're going out to see the, the fixer-upper <laughs> stuff. I mean, it was just, like, everybody just, like, knew, like, you know, what you, what you were up to. I mean, you're, like, it's either you're a Baylor student or you're going to go visit, you know, Chip and Joanna stuff. And... And then when we got there, you know, so we went to the silos on a on a Saturday. So again, this is like middle of October. And like it was it was crowded, like not not unpleasantly so, but like, you know, so we started at the at the bakery they've got there, which man, if you ever go, got to go to the bakery. It's it's fantastic. And like, you know, the line was sort of like wrapped around the block and you know, it went quickly and everything. So it was fine. But then, you know, being in the store, like it was busy, just the, the, the amount of people there, which again, what I would consider to be a relatively off time of year was, was really amazing. Like, it was, it was really, really interesting. And I, and I think I, did I tell you about the tour group? No. Oh man. Okay. So uh, we went to, I, I love this show. <laughs> we went to uh clint's shop i think i told you about that part you did he, he's the woodmaker right he is yeah so we, okay. went, we went to his shop and we, we spent some time looking around there and as we were there this tour group comes in and the reason it stood out to us was it was being led by one of the people who have actually been on the show and we we recognized him because he was kind of a unique guy <laughs> And it was funny because, you know, we recognized him and we kind of thought like, oh, should we like go like say hi to him or anything? We're like, eh, we'll, we'll just like, like kind of like leave him alone. But he actually ended up like coming to talk to us and like he introduced himself. And we're like, oh, yeah, no, no. Like, we, like, you know, we remember you from the show and everything. And like we had like this conversation with them. And he was leading a tour group where literally like he's Mike Hurley, which I think is amazing. <laughs> um, the guy from the Internet. Yeah, I'll have to, have to look up what episode he's on. So then when you get to that one, I'll, I'll remember to point <laughs> him out. Um, but yeah, he was leading this tour group where they literally just went around Waco and visiting some of the key um, like landmarks from the show. And I just like that this, you know, that was so interesting. And again, something that I did not have a full appreciation of before I went there. Oh, that's pretty good. 
it's um you know it's obviously a bit off the beaten path but if you ever find your way out there i would recommend it we're we're definitely we're thinking about going back at some point they've opened a restaurant now mm-hmm. like on uh, the table yeah so that would be really neat to see. I guess you you shared with me that Mike Isaac tweet, right? Well, yeah, I, he, his his <laughs> front of the show, Mike Isaac. His mom waited ninety minutes to go to so the table. So I have I have a lot of questions and concerns about that. Where like I like I, like if they if they went on a weekend, I, I can kind of understand that. But goodness, if they went like on a random Tuesday morning in April and they waited ninety minutes. Yikes! Like I waiting waiting for like you you say you don't like to buy food oh, like don't. when it's mm-hmm. on sale. I don't like to wait for food. I don't like to stand in line for. Well, food. Hold, hold, okay, that's, oh, that's cool. not my thing. All right, all right, all right, hold on. So I assume. Oh man, this this, this show is not what we thought it was going to be. Uh, <laughs> when, I, when, I when, hate, it, when is it? Uh, sometimes we it, it stays on the rails, <laughs> but just this is this is yeah. Um, I hate hate San Francisco line culture. Right, like I don't, I don't care if it's boba guys. I don't care if it's state bird provisions. Stop waiting in line for things. Like, just go somewhere else. Yeah, your time I, and your sanity is worth something. Don't, don't be a dick about it. But just go somewhere else. The the two the two types of restaurants I go to in San Francisco, or I mean, really anywhere, are restaurants that I can just walk into and get a table, mm-hmm. and restaurants that I can make reservations at, preferably through Open Table mm-hmm. or some other online reservation service yep. if you if you don't offer either of those solutions i'm I'm just not i'm not really interested well and here's the thing it's okay because they're at capacity and they're making their money sure. like yeah. so that's cool like yeah, i don't get the like maybe i'm just not a young person sorry i'm not but like maybe that's just like <laughs> it, it's a 23 year old thing maybe it's like wanting to go to Cho- uh, Chochella, coachella or <laughs> <laughs> you've never sounded older it, whether it's going to coachella or the outside lands or whatever it is like <laughs> i you don't just just stop it just go go do something else you can listen to music on spotify like go enjoy your life don't don't stand around in a line or be like uh what's the expression tobias used when he was crammed in the car in the rest of development I don't remember that one. But like the whole thing where you're just crammed in with a billion people, like it's a like a five thirty <laughs> Muni train, like just just stop it. Like just do, like Instagramming whatever you're gonna do is not worth it. Just go go have fun and live your life. Like don't don't spend your twenties. Take it from somebody who's almost thirty. Um, <laughs> go go spend your twenties doing something fun. Stop waiting in lines. But I think the, to get back to fix rapper, I assume the Waco line culture is much better. Or I assume it's much friendlier. I, I mean, I would think so. We only experienced a little bit of it at the silos, but I mean, it wasn't, you know, we wait, we waited maybe, I don't know, 15 minutes for the bakery, something like that. I mean, it's just not, nothing, nothing crazy. You made, you, you, you made a lot of good points there, but I'm, I am still a little hung up on you calling it the outside lands because putting the in front of something that shouldn't have the, I swear to you, that's what it's called. I'm going to Google this in quotes, the outside lands. I think it's just called outside lands. Ah, whatever. Close enough. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Putting the in front of any, anything that shouldn't have it, it just makes you sound really old. Whatever. The Twitter, the Facebook, I, I don't care. 
the the blue barn. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um. Yeah. What were we talking about? I I don't know. Dominoes at some point. No, but then we somehow we got back onto Magnolia and yeah, man. I, like the literally, I'm like like Chip and JoJo are a big deal when I'm like they own a single word dot com. Like I'm like that's that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um. Again, I'm only uh, like again. I just wrapped up season one, but like the product placement is coming. I assume it gets worse. Or I like. I mean, I no. Mm-mm. Well, like, no. they, they were like on, on some of the recent episodes I watched, like you see them like there are like shots of them painting stuff and like the, the label is very, very in your face. Yeah, no, that they, they, that actually maybe even goes away a little bit. Hmm. Like I actually, actually though, <laughs> um, I actually what they more so do on the show is sort of promote their own stuff where. You'll see this in later seasons where they spend quite a bit of time talking about the silos. They then have an entire episode on the bakery that I've mentioned a couple of times. They have an entire episode on Magnolia Table. So they they definitely leverage the show to promote some of the other things they're doing, which, I mean, good good on them. That's smart. Um, so that that's actually, that's where the show goes. They don't, they don't really promote a, a whole lot of third-party brands because honestly they don't need to because they kind of make everything themselves now like i think just this week they came out with their own furniture line like you know they they don't really need a lot of third-party promotion there was one guy where joanna invited him and his his lady friend to the to the farmhouse to choose out some stuff and he was he was not very nice about it or he suggested their style was not very good which i i did not enjoy at all i i remember that episode you're referring to and yeah the the lady friend really dislikes them yeah like the the wife is fine, but the guy I, I, I don't care yeah. for it all. Good, good mm-hmm. take. Yeah, you, you don't have to have this nice house. Just go do yourself. <laughs> no, no shiplap for you. Damn right. <laughs> she she is not going to sheet rock, uh, sheet rock anything. She's not going to get you wet French doors or help you get new windows. She's gonna she's gonna put up just lots of walls. <laughs> you know, what? She, she's she's normally about tearing down walls. You know, no, she's gonna she's gonna build some. Build that wall. No, don't, don't, no, 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 don't destroy this for me. Um. Oh yeah, I'm not going to Google their political views. I, 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 I am not going to risk any of it. No, no I'm not take I the think chance. there was one. There was one thing. No, there was no, one minor mm-hmm. flare up about them, but they they put out a statement. It, it, it's, <laughs> I they're 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 okay. I think <laughs> they're they're Michael Cohen's fourth client. <laughs> Main stories. Uh huh. Yeah, let's let's get into it. So, oh wait, wait, sir, are we are we out of the follow up segment or what? Where where are we now? Oh, we we. So we're about an a little like about an hour and five ish minutes into this thing. I don't think Henry Winkler is gonna. He he would never take the role of playing Michael Cohen. In the USA, made for TV movie about this whole mess. He'd be so good though. Main topics. <laughs> oh God, this is. The reason I think we would put this off is this, this is a bad week for news. Or like it's just, it's just not like the main story we have is actually not fun or it's it's really dumb. And the other ones are not that important. So <laughs> Yeah. Um so Mark Gurman has a scoop. It's weird that he has a scoop. I don't know. Cause um according to John Gruber, uh the scoops ran dry and <laughs> uh he and Bloomberg are too busy, quote, shitting the bed. Um we're, we're 
get into this. So the, the, the title of Gurman's story is, in a leaked memo, Apple warns employees to stop leaking information, which I want to buy an edible arrangement for whoever at Bloomberg made that uh, headline, because that's amazing. Oh, boy. So in, in the memo... I don't know if, was it written, like, is it allegedly written by Tim Cook or is it just like a company-wide thing? Do you know? I, I don't think it's attributed to any individual executive. Yeah. So it starts, it so it starts last month, Apple caught and fired uh, the employee responsible for leaking details from an internal confidential meeting about Apple's hard, uh, software roadmap. Hundreds of software engineers were in attendance, and thousands more within the organization received details on its proceedings. One person betrayed that trust. So the whole deal is uh, Apple is touting that they have um, uh, prosecuted. They have um, identified twenty nine different leakers because we are a nation of leakers, and twelve of whom have been arrested. So back in twenty twelve. Tim Cook uh, famously said he was doubling down on secrecy. And you, um, much like I have identified in um, way way out of the curve that Uber was evil, or that like that the the business had uh, was was a little fishy. You have been very much on the side of uh, good luck with that, Tim. Mm-hmm. I've been less so, but I think your 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 version of reality is is probably more true than mine. In this one, in this one regard, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So this this is a really dumb memo. Um, this is really dumb. So it, it, it encompasses a few things of like what is the real tangible impact of uh, leaks to a business? How much can a company actually keep secret? What is the most effective way to root this out? But it just feels like, as with many other things, and I swear to God, I will. I promise, I will not make this about the Mac. But like Apple is just doing a lot of weird stuff where I I like is really like threatening like jail time like is is that really the way to to keep people on board of of protecting company secrets? It's just it's also just the way they word some things here. So another example near the end of the letter um, is it so it talks about you know in 2017 Apple caught 29 leakers, 12 of those were arrested, blah blah blah. These people not only lose their jobs, they can face extreme difficulty finding employment elsewhere. Like it's it's like it's like a threat. Oh, it, like it, well, it, of, of course it is. But like it's but it's a it's like a veiled threat, which is very strange and very like I mean going back to what we were talking about with Tesla, like there I think what Apple's saying here is is fine, but just the way they're saying it is Mm. it's not not the best way to to phrase these things i don't think no but also like but like tim cook's apple has been like not great at, at, at messaging a lot and also like tim cook himself has not been good at messaging like last week tonight um this past week had a good thing on um corporate taxes and uh, called apple out on a lot of its bullshit so that's that's a little mini chef special people want to go watch that but like yeah this is this is phrased really poorly and like who who does this impact or or like who who whose mind does this win over or change i'm guessing nobody no i mean I, again like i think there was a way to go about this which might have been 
productive. I mean, nothing's going to completely stomp out leaks entirely, but there are certainly things Apple could have done and things they could have said, I think, that would have maybe helped some. But this, I think, has the exact opposite effect. I think this irritates people, and I think this might even galvanize people. And it, of course, leaked. As with, yeah, was, right, was, of course. wasn't there a thing like four months ago? There was a, sec- a security presentation, right? Yeah, that, which, that, which was that which was tape recorded and leaked. Because <laughs> that just seems like this seems like the kind of thing where if anybody is on the fence about doing something like this, or they're like, well, like the, 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 this obviously. Will. I mean, yeah, I, I think I mean the the you know the second to last sentence of the memo calls out the fact that they now have one hundred and thirty five thousand people in the company. The, I mean, so it's not only the scale of Apple, but it's the extreme interest that they generate. You combine those two things and it it just it creates an environment where it's going to be absolutely impossible to prevent things from leaking out. It's just it's just the nature of the business that they're in. And it's it's also sort of a byproduct. Like it's funny, like in some ways their desire to have things not leak is what causes them to leak in the first place. Like if Apple weren't quite so like if they didn't create this sort of aura around them that they want to be sort of secretive and mysterious, then I actually think that people would maybe even be a little less interested in them. And so there would be less of a desire to leak. But because they have that kind of secret kind of nature about them, spikes people's interest in the company it's 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 like the the you know it's like the the tighter they squeeze like the the more of a grip they're losing was that a pre-existing expression i it i think it was but i don't think i got it right i don't know it it sounded very original so (laughs) um yeah like i I kind of agree with that but like hmm. I, like I give him a lot of credit for like it is um like some of the things I say do actually make sense and in saying that like they want to like when leaks happen they don't really adequately get to tell the story on their own terms which a lot of the best parts of Apple are based off of cuz like if it um cuz the AirPods came out early right that was that was a German story, probably. Yes, it was. Like, there's a lot of products where they kind of like the way Apple tells it and um, explains why their competitive advantages make this a really special product and whatever. Like, there is a lot to be said about that, and, and leaks totally undo that. But like, it just goes back to the point that like this just I'm not sure this is the most effective way to do it because like this like a vague intimidation that just makes everybody like ill at ease like that's just that that isn't solving any problem but i think unless you have anything and feel free to stop me like if you have anything more specifically related to the memo i think the second half of this that's actually more interesting is is the john gruber side of it hmm okay so there's been for a while like a ton of over so this this is weird for a couple things there's been it seems in recent years more of a overlap or coalescing of uh, Apple's PR message and a lot of the writing on Daring Fireball. I could be wrong. But, like, do you remember when John Gruber would always talk about, like, having little birdies? Mm-hmm. Like, that's a phrase he would always use. 
Right. Which, which what was a little birdie? A leaker, right? Right. Yeah, just in a different phrase. Yet when he writes on uh, last Friday, a company-wide Apple memo on the impact of leaks. Leaks. So uh, there's a quote from the article, Global Security Digital Forensics also helped catch several employees who were feeding confidential details about new products, including the iPhone 10, iPad Pro, and AirPods to a blogger at 9to5Mac. So it says uh, the AirPods story is probably this one, which was a huge scoop published nine months before Apple AirPods were announced uh, by none other than Mark Gurman. It is possible that every specific specific example cited by Apple in this memo was someone leaking to Mark Gurman. Makes you wonder who had the balls to send him this memo uh, in the first place. Uh, We'll be getting to the inception territory at the leaker of the memo on leakers getting fired for leaking to Gurman. Gets fired for leaking it to Gurman. Like he... uh, for the past year, Gruber has had like this weird axe to grind against Mark Gurman. Ever like I think a lot of it coincides with when he got hired at Bloomberg, to the point where last year he like prodded him for like not getting enough scoops anymore. Like uh, there was something about the HomePod in advance of its release, and like Gruber was like, "Oh, this is complete bullshit, non-story." And yet, it seems like every single substantive leak was actually to German. So I guess I don't see how he gets to play it both ways and continue to talk shit, even though he was somebody who has always, like, a lot of the biggest interest in Daring Fireball has been, like, remember, like, him and Dalrymple would do, like, kind of the yup thing? Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, it just feels so weird that there's this weird double standard about Gruber confirming or denying a lot of features and different things and having what a lot of times seems like an insider's perspective, probably because there is some leaking slash like insider, um, like narrative forming around whatever news of the day there is. But it just seems so weird for this German, uh, like just like his tenure at Bloomberg to be like, so, adversarially covered by daring fireball which in and of itself traffics in mostly the same thing well so let so let me uh, let me play devil's advocate for a minute even though i i i i agree with you that i i think that this is sort of a weird exchange which is which is what i'll try to kind of conclude with here but to, to play devil's advocate at first i think the problem with german when he went to bloomberg was sort of twofold the first was when he first went there there was a period of time where it did seem like he wasn't getting the same type of inside information that he was when he was at 9to5Mac. Now, I think that that has changed a bit more recently, where it does seem like in the last maybe 6 to 12 months, he now is back to being the one who breaks a lot of these stories. But sort of a separate problem is... Even when he does get these scoops, they're wrapped in Bloomberg's just god-awful style guide, which <sighs> Gruber and others have pointed out makes a three-sentence story into a you know 800-word piece, which is just kind of ridiculous and distracting. So I, I think both of those things are true. But again, with, with that devil's advocate perspective out of the way, I will say that this is this is a weird act for Gruber to grind. And it's particularly strange because there was a point where, I mean, like German's been on the talk show before. Like I, I got the sense that mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. were 
if not friends, at least, you know, respectful of one another and, you know, interacted with each other. And, and I mean, clearly that's not the case anymore. And that's, that's strange because I don't know, in, in the, in the world of Apple media coverage, there are, I think, far more egregious things to point out and complain about. Uh, and which some of which I think Gruber's actually a part of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's, that's what's, that's what I think is kind of strange and a bit out of touch here. So you're right in certain regards. I, I will push back. So when he, when he, when German got hired by Bloomberg, like I, you kind of have to play ball. Like that's the whole thing. Like, like Bloomberg is a tr- more traditional um, news outlet that, that, their whole point is that they're trying to sell like their their business is that they're the, the news business and the reporting operation is to deliver content that you get to the people that pay $3000 a month for a Bloomberg terminal. So like you have to you can't just say Apple's probably releasing wireless headphones sometime next year. Uh they might come with a charging case and they and they pair really easily. Like you have there has to be a narrative structure that's around it. Like that's just the nature of not being like some dude that's on Twitter or a blog. Like if if Maggie Haberman at the New York Times gets some scoop on uh like uh, Michael Cohen and and the whole Trump organization, like even though that could be three tweets, like she still has to put it into a thing. So I like I get it, but also like I, I would give you credit, or or I, I would say that that's a fair argument in the sense that a lot of times, the people who are writing the copy that goes around the actual scoops will sometimes try to put more a narrative, more of a narrative around it than is actually useful. Like that, that that I'll grant you, but I like I don't I like they can't get away with like just publishing a four sentence article. Yeah, so I don't I'm not. Even with that devil's advocate perspective, I don't think I'd really point the finger at German. It's it's actually more of a comment towards Bloomberg. And I think what makes German's situation stand out and what makes it a little different than something like um, a Maggie Haberman example that you just used is that, you know, Haberman's sort of always written in that type of style or always written for publications with that type of style. Whereas German, we had a sample of him pre-Bloomberg where... He was much more concise, and then we sort of got away from that. So, like, we kind of had a taste of the way that things should have been, and then that was sort of taken away. Um, and I, I mean, I to be honest, like, again, I'm I'm not pointing the finger at German, but I do think with tech media in general, it it may. Well, let me let me let me pause for a second. I, I think what's also what's different than like a, a Haberman example is I think by and large, and I don't, maybe this is my liberal media bias or whatever, but it, I, I think the narratives that are put around a Maggie Haberman story in the New York times are largely fact based and, and sort of just <laughs> objective. Whereas some of the narratives that are put into these Bloomberg stories are not really based on other facts they're sort of just perceptions and that's where i think they become in addition to being too wordy i think they also then become sort of problematic as a news piece Uh, okay i would say half fair like that makes sense kind of (laughs) i'll take it 
Yeah, like I, I think it's difficult to say that like it, it's not factually accurate. I think sometimes they just they just lean too far on. Sp- cr- yeah, okay. We'll we'll just leave it a half accurate. I just think it's debatable, but I, but I, I I can't really argue it against it. So like, well, I mean, like I guess what I'm what I'm specifically thinking of as an example here is all this iPhone 10 demand stuff that's been floating out here kind of since the beginning of the year. All of the hard data suggests that the iPhone 10 and Apple, by and large, is doing just fine. In fact, they're probably doing better than they've ever done before, at least from a financial perspective, which is really what we're talking about here. And you know, if you read a Bloomberg article, you would think that Apple's going to cancel the iPhone 10 tomorrow and that they're hmm. maybe going to go out no. of business. No. Just just because, I, and I don't even know if Bloomberg was the was the lead reporter on this uh or like leading news outlet on saying that component orders for the iPhone 10 have been cut, but I think that's an entirely valid thing to say. Yeah, but I okay, well, so but, like, but, so we'll but I think mm-hmm. so. Writing a story like that is fine, but then to wrap it around this notion that iPhone 10 demand is way lower than they expected—that's where you get. That's where you start to speculate instead of basing. Like if your story is Apple cut. Uh, supply orders for the iphone and here are some possible reasons okay fine but to wrap it around a narrative that says and the iphone 10 is a dismal failure well what if that's not most of the supply what if like the thing they're ordering less of is the face id sensor that implies one specific model is is where the least amount of growth is happening but but we i mean we've we've gone down this road on the show before that could mean lots of different things it could mean that Apple's initial estimates were just legitimately too high, but that the underlying demand is actually still fine. It could mean that they wanted to lock up. It could mean that they wanted to lock up extra um, manufacturing capacity just to be safe. I mean, they, there could be seasonality. There's lots of different things that could play into that. But but Bloomberg sort of wraps a narrative that demand is low as if it's as, as if it's fact. I I I think you're heading too far into devil's advocate territory. I th- I think I don't think you could say it's seasonality because Apple has so much data on accurately predicting what how many they need to build of a certain thing, and like tying. Mm, I I disagree with a lot of that, but but anyway, yeah, like it, it's tricky. Um, yeah, I like oh, but for the the thing like one the sure the memo it seems like a dumb strategy. Gruber's response seems really weird because he traffics in the exact same circles, um, except he just has a much more friendly angle and and bias towards the company, which which it it does allow for like greater perspective on the company and there is value in what he writes, but I I I I think it's 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 tricky. I think like he's, I think he's like the Rachel Maddow or like he's like the MSNBC of that reporting like does that is that fair like not that it's wrong but it does definitely have an agenda yeah okay like i'm not gonna say like it's fox news where like hannity's talking about or like tucker carlson is talking about sex crazed pandas or whatever <laughs> i can't i still can't believe that that like you that's one of those things where you see it on twitter and you're like this has to be a darth mock-up but it's mm-hmm. it's it's nope it's real life yeah I don't know. I think it's tricky, but yeah. I, I, and there, there's a Twitter thread that I linked to you that I, please put in the show notes because it, it's 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 pretty good. It's very journalist inside baseball, but it's 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 pretty funny. That's in the notes.
<sighs> All right. Uh, second topic. No, I'm kidding. Uh, well, this, this should actually be a quick one. So there was a hidden gem in the East Bay for a while. Uh, it was it was around for like 20 years, even though uh, I only knew about it for a couple. But there's a Crate and Barrel outlet on 4th Street in Berkeley, which is a kind of like a, a boutique-ish shopping district um, uh, on like the southern side of, of town. But unfortunately, uh, their lease was not renewed by the landlord and the store closed at the end of March. And normally people are listening, like, why why are they talking about this? Well, apparently it is not being renewed so that the landlord can lease that space to Amazon instead. Hmm. Yeah. Crate and Barrel was really good. Because Crate and Barrel, the store itself, like, unless you, like, make four times the money that anybody does. Like, like, it's just, it's too expensive. But Crate and Barrel was, 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 was a gem of a store. But this is... This is weird and interesting because I'm still I I don't necessarily understand what Amazon retail strategy is because they they have one in San Jose on Santana Row which is mostly a bookstore like like there's no way that this is gonna be like an Amazon Go store so like do you think there's like a like a consistent idea of what Amazon is trying to do with retail? No, but I do think that they share the same view that I've expressed a few times here on the show, which is there is absolutely a place for a predominantly online retailer to have a brick and mortar presence. And it it, it doesn't come in the form of having six, eight, six, eight hundred to thousand stores spread out across the country. But it it it's something. But I, I think that that something is still in question, and I think that that's what Amazon's kind of trying to figure out. Yeah, it's weird. I like I don't know, just because like so. Well, do you think do you think the Amazon bookstores are going to continue to be a thing, or do you think that's just an experiment? That's probably just an experiment. So then I guess then well that that's what confuses me. Then like so then what exactly should this be? Because like if you want if you want a showroom for Kindles and the Echo line of products, like that can that can be accomplished inside of of a Best Buy, or like they they own Whole Foods, they can turn one sixteenth of the of the store there because like they already sell Kindles and and Echoes next to the to the kale, like you you can you can buy them there so they could just make a table where where you could try it out. So I guess like I don't. Hmm. I'm just unsure of where this goes. Like, unless these stores like start being like customer service centers or like something that maybe like facilitates the majority of e-commerce that Amazon does, or like that that fills in the gaps that an online-only retailer suffers from. Like, I don't. I'm not really sure what it is. Just because, like, I I get the point of Casper having a store. Because like it's a, it's just like a, or in having a partnership with Target and West Elm, because it's a product that's really difficult to, like no matter how generous you make the return policy, there's a lot of people that just will not buy that product sight unseen. We're having a small square foot footprint, but a way for people in like high population density areas to be able to try your product, like that makes sense. But here, like I don't think Kindles and Echoes have that problem. So yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm confused. I, this is interesting. 
and I'm mourning the loss of a good store. That's that is what's making what's allowing like paving the way for this to happen. But I don't know. I'm I'm still confused as to what it's going to be. Yeah, I, I me too. I I really don't have a sense of exactly what Amazon's trying to accomplish. I just think it falls under the general idea that they know they want to have some type of retail presence, and they think that it can be beneficial to their business, but they just haven't exactly fleshed that out yet. And much like what they do with, you know, like the fire line of products, they sort of just throw things out there and see, you know, see what ends up being popular. Have you ever seen anybody using using a Kindle Fire in real life? Um, my sister actually had one. Hmm. I don't know if she still uses it, but at, at one point she had a, a tablet that she used like basically as like a e-reader and a kind of web browser device. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, two very brief Apple stories. Apparently, there's a new iPhone unlocker or like something that that tries to get around the encryption and password protection on most iPhones, and apparently, it even works on iOS 11. Uh, it's called Gray Key, and certain government agencies and law enforcement agencies have uh, purchased licenses for it. And the thing that's weird about it is that apparently it allows you to like just plug in the phone for just a small amount of time, if I'm reading this correctly. And the password cracking actually happens on that device first. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't actually try the password on the iPhone. It just figures it, 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 it snatches something from the phone and then just brute forces it against uh, what it gained without actually because like the whole point of the iPhone is that where if you if you have it encrypted and password protected after 10 incorrect password attempts it will erase itself and it also does like rate limiting to make sure you can't just quickly try 10 different things. Yeah, my interpretation of this which is largely based on an engadget article that that's in the notes is this device installs some type of software on the iPhone which basically then jailbreaks the iPhone and then through that jailbreak they're able to install software that then disables the security features you just outlined and then basically brute forces its way into guessing what the password is from there. And in addition to this Engadget article in the notes, I also put a a link to to Twitter that I found about um, estimated times to crack various length passcodes. So with a simple four-digit code, it's about 13 minutes, worst case scenario, six and a half minutes on average. Six digits, that goes up to 22 hours or an 11-hour average. Eight digits is like 92 days in a worst case scenario or 46 days um, on average. And then 10 digits is like 9,200 days. But the point, the takeaway here is don't use a simple four-digit passcode. Use a you know, at least an eight digit passcode, you know, preferably even longer than that. Yeah. I mean, like if you, if you've got like a reliable way to unlock your phone, like touch ID, like as opposed to face ID, like having a strong (laughs) password, sorry, I apologize, but face ID is really bad. Um, Having an alphanumeric password that you enter in like once a week is, is not a big deal. Um, But yeah, this is this. So that explanation of how it works, that kind of makes sense. But the thing is like, my understanding, and I assume that's why it's a hardware hack, or like that that's why this is a big vulnerability. Like I always thought the whole thing, like, you know, whenever you plug your iPhone into a computer and it says you have to tap trust when it's unlocked, I thought the whole point was that the iPhone 
rejected all USB data connections until the device was unlocked and you actually had user input that said you trusted it. So yeah, that's... I mean, that's kind of the mystery here. Um, And, you know, you have to think that somewhere within Apple, they're working on a way of closing whatever loophole this thing is exploiting. Yeah, I think German might have a story about it in two days. <laughs> no, they've they're the leakers are have been stopped. The Apple Apple solved that problem. Oh, he tripled down. Got it. Uh huh. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. He kind of he kind of leaned into it, if you will. So there's <laughs> uh there was a, eh, there's some story about um oh whoops I put that link in twice uh, about the fact that Apple doesn't actually have a, a firm idea of what uh, space gray is. Um, you, you, you could, you can provide kindly provide the link and put it in the show notes for people to check out. Uh, but the one color they do know how to produce is, is a product red. <laughs> yes. Right. And it looks beautiful. I'm very happy with mine. Oh, oh, you bought one. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is, this is breaking news. I, I, I like when you spring these things on me that I, I didn't know prior to recording. Oh, it's, it's an iPhone eight. Everybody already knows what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it's, it's beautiful. Hmm. Yeah. Um. Huh. Okay. I, I. I. don't know if I have more to come back to on that. But yeah. No. I think. I think that's pretty much it. But I find yeah. it's. It. It. It's. And man, the A, the A11 or whatever processors. It's. It's very snappy. Mm-hmm. 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 Um. Yeah. Though this. This. I. I think this space gray thing is really interesting because even prior to this nine to five Mac article, it, it's just something that I've thought about too, which is there's no <laughs> there's no consistent shade of space gray across any of apple's current products like not only does space gray vary from year to year on the iphone it varies from current generation iphone to iphone right and it varies between the different product lines like space gray on like a macbook pro is very different than space gray on an iphone or an ipad mm-hmm. well so when the iphone 5 came out what color was that I th- wasn't that the first space gray? I don't know if it was that or the 5S because that was the whole thing where like didn't the like iPhone 5 had like this weird like chipping thing where like the color started coming off. But the 5S was the first phone that had kind of the what we all know of today as being kind of like that dark aluminum charcoal like metallic finish. Mhm. Again the the 5S was one of the best phones ever made, but and had one of the most pleasing shades of space gray. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like the iPhone 10 and the iPhone 8, like the color, like the back is not very nice. Like it's this, like it's it's not it's not gray and it's not black. It's 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 like a brownish black color. It's weird. Hmm. No. But the sides of the iPhone 10 look amazing. I'm looking at the back of my iPhone 10. I, I actually think the back is. I don't know. I think it's nice. Yeah, but but is 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 it is it gray or is it black? Um, I would cl- I would say it's more gray. Hmm. But not silver. Uh, no. Um, it's just a random observation, but uh-huh. the uh, lady friend was kind of cleaning out a drawer and uh, came across her old iPhone five, mm. which I helped um, wipe in preparation of selling back to Gazelle. Mm-hmm. That's a really nice phone. I feel it feels really good in the hand. It feels really small, but a- absolutely. 
but it feels like the the materials, man, it just feels so good. No, it, it like it was so tight, like the yeah. like the like the like just it, it. I'm not like complaining about the bump on the camera, but like it's just like it, there, there were like it feels like felt perfect. I think like the 5s even more so, like with with the Touch ID sensor, but like just it was really nice. It's tough to go back to a screen that small again, but it's very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, remember when that phone came out and we were all like, oh God, how are we going to, how are we, the, is this, is this, I remember so many stories and so many hours of podcast conversation. Is the screen of the iPhone 5 too big? Right. Right. Well, and <laughs> how naive the, we all were. So what's funny is when I held this thing, I like, I couldn't immediately tell whether it was a five or a four. Hmm. <laughs> And I, I thought, well, God, this screen is so small. This must be a four. This, this must be the original screen size because it was the same screen size through that four S. Yes. And then I, and then as I was going through the wiping process, I, I think I looked up like what model it was, and it said it was an iPhone five. And I went, God, this is, this isn't even the smallest iPhone they made. And it's just, yeah, it, it's. Despite how good the materials and everything feel, it, it it would be it'd be tough to go back to that size of a screen. But it it did really make me think. Like, and I'm I'm actually I'm picking up my iPhone 10 here now. Like, I don't think the iPhone 10 feels as nice as like the iPhone 5 did. It doesn't. But the iPhone 10 has one thing going for it. Like it it the iPhone 10 feels dense, which. Yes, that's yeah, nice. That, that's like a good it, point. if you yes. drop it, you're very worried. But it feels right. feels dense. The yeah, the four yes, the the four and the five both kind of had that weird, almost like hollow feel, mm-hmm. which was kind of off putting. Yeah, yeah, I, re- I remember that. And yeah, that 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 even stood out to me as I was holding that five. But again, yeah, iPhone five S is definitely the the goat. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is Gazelle paying these days for an iPhone five? Man, they they were paying like it was like ninety bucks. No and it, and way. It, and, and it had a shattered screen. That's a, no, that can't be right. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, mm-hmm. okay, hold on. Uh, well, you're sh- and you no touch. No, any you know what? She no, actually, she sold a couple of old iPhones. Maybe it was. Oh, uh, that's a combined total. Yeah, or maybe that was for the six that she. I I don't remember exactly. iPhone five. You guys are AT and T customers. 16 or 32? Uh, it might probably was 16. Uh, if you say it was broken, you got $10. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, maybe, maybe the 90 was a, I don't remember, but did she, I mean, she was happy to get something for it because okay. it's just been, been sitting in a drawer. Yeah, 10 bucks pays for two thirds of a blue barn sandwich. That's <laughs> uh, half if you get fries with it. Right. Mm-hmm. Which, 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 pro which tip, you should. If, if we haven't already talked about that. Oh no no! We you you talk, you mentioned it on the show, and I literally went and tried them the very next day, and I I think I've ordered them with my meal just about every time I since then. Very good. They're you get too many of them, but they're really good. Well, yeah, but but that's that's the whole point of America. <laughs> Blue Bluebird's a lot of food, especially the the salads are. Well, the salads are two servings. That's a yeah thing. yes. Or right. if if you're. <laughs> If you're me, it's 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 one very large serving and then a, a, a midday stack, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, man, we were gonna wrap this up, but that was the thing I was gonna say. Ah, whatever. Oh yeah, uh, 
Uh, never mind. Well, this could be this could be a controversial topic, so we're going to move on. <laughs> blue blue barn. No, if you're using ketchup with your fries, you're eating the wrong fries. Oh, moving on. Mm. Gonna, no, moving on. So with things or why things, we never know which one. <laughs> we don't know how to pronounce it. No. Yeah. Uh, if you if you slather your scale with ketchup, okay. So Ugh. apparently, so so no, uh, Nokia bought them like two or three years ago, and then. <laughs> Uh, much to your chagrin, they took away your pulse ox monitoring feature or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you were very unhappy about that. But apparently, who knows, it might come back because uh, the the greatest steward of all products ever, who never kills any products they buy, Google might be buying. No good. Yeah, I, so, yeah, I, I, I like in 2016. You, go ahead. I say you, you described uh, Withings, Withings um, as being the hot potato of tech yes which i, I thought i thought that was that was really clever mm-hmm. yeah pat on the back to me um <laughs> it kind of is and there's other um yeah there's i can't think of any but there's other companies that are like that too but yeah apparently in 2016 two years ago uh nokia purchased uh, or sorry acquired withings for uh, 191 million for their new digital health division um but I'm pretty sure they went through a couple of rounds of layoffs, and also there hasn't been a ton of attention paid to that product category. Um, so apparently Nokia doesn't see a whole lot of value in this, and they might be trying to unload it on Google, who has a lot of money. To their credit, though, so the the app, the Nokia Health app, is constantly being updated. They, they do a lot of work there. But yeah, I guess the the hardware side of the business is is where it's tough. Well, it's because they don't have to write the Windows Phone apps anymore. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like, I think in, in a best case scenario, I think this does um, complement Android Wear and a lot of the in-house. Because, like, if you think that, like, um, Google manufactures, like, the Nest products and, like, they've also, like, didn't a couple of months ago they tried to... Like they figured out that the whole way they were structuring Nest in like the Alphabet corporate structure wasn't really the best for it. Which like everybody when they acquired yeah, yeah, Nest yeah. like was confused as to why they just didn't do that from day one. But, well, but yeah. so they fixed that, right? Yeah, yeah. They finally. That's a legitimate use of the word. Finally, they they finally did. Yes. So with Google making. Um, some of their own, but like they, they put a lot of effort into the pixel products um, and other stuff. Like I think it, it, I think there's a decent, if the, if this acquisition or like if this is, if this rumor becomes true and they actually do, it changes hands. I don't think it's, it's necessarily like a kill off the product type thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I hope, I hope not. Yeah. I, I don't like using my scale. Um, <laughs> Too accurate. I, I, <laughs> I didn't, it just, it's kind of a, another random observation here, but um. I didn't realize that they had rebranded all of their hardware with Nokia. Yeah, the thing is, like a lot of this stuff is old, so I've I've actually never seen it with this branding, like in uh-huh. uh, in a Best Buy or anything like that. Right. Um. Yeah, I think they gave up on all their smartwatches too, just because that never. Or I mean, for a, for a product that's uh not. Uh, it's not a hundred percent yet, or is is not? It's it's probably still like a pretty B minus product. The Apple Watch has taken a lot of uh, wind out of the sails of every other wearables maker. Hmm. Yeah, it, it it really has. I mean, it's it's not a perfect product by any means, but it's it's definitely the best wearable device that's out there. 
yeah, it's hard to it's hard to dispute that. Uh, yeah, I still miss. My, I I really a lot of times me and Joe Biden, we we miss the simplicity of our Nike Fuel Band. Sure, yeah, I I sympathize with that. I I liked my Fuel Band too, um, even though it never quite fit my wrist right, but. I don't know if you remember that, but I I, I, I don't. I had a I had a hard, really hard time finding the right size, and ne- never really did get it quite right. I actually don't remember you ever having one. I knew you were super huge into the Pebble. No, I I, ha- I had a fuel band. I, I think this was even before the Pebble. You inspired me to get a fuel band, and the medium was too big, even without any of the. You get um, the little spacers, right? So even if you took all those out, the medium was too big. But then if I if then with the small, if you put all the spacer, spacers in, it was like a little too tight. So I, I think I ended up just using the, the small one and just dealing with it being a little tight because like the, the, the medium one was just like flopping all around. Yeah. So but it, yeah, I never, never really had the right fit, which is kind of an underrated thing with the Apple Watch. It's very comfortable. Yeah, I I'm I'm bummed out about the Apple Watch like first party bands because I just had such when I first saw the um what's what's the crappy one with the velcro on it? What's it called? Mm, well, it's not it's not but don't call it velcro. It's um the Sport Loop. Yeah, I had such high hopes for that one, but in real life like the vel the don't call it velcro thing is not <laughs> It, it's it's not nice and unfortunately for me like the um what's the one you have like the uh, woven nylon thing yeah uh-huh. like that one it just doesn't fit me well um but that seems like the night like i don't know for for all the joking about fluoroelastomer and all that bs they originally came out with uh sport band pretty good kind of bummed that it still costs 50 dollars a pop when i would like more colors but yeah, for like what it probably literally nine cents worth of plastic. But yeah, I've I have to say I've been sort of tempted at getting one of the Nike bands. Uh, I assume you'd get the Darth Vader one. Um, I I kind of like the black and you know Nike's got that they call it Volt, which is kind of like that greenish yellow color. That uh, as long, yeah on a workout day, I think that one looks pretty cool. Yeah, I. I really did not like the Nike bands when they first showed them, but I've seen them in person a couple of times, and they're pretty neat. Are they sold separately? They are now. They they were not initially, but they yeah, they sell them separately now. But again, they're, <laughs> is, they're is there a, bucks a is, pop. Oh, I was going to ask: Is there a space gray markup or no? <laughs> no. Oh, that was the other thing about the shades of space gray. They now sell the peripherals or the keyboard and mouse and the trackpad that are uh, bundled with the iMac Pro, except it's like twenty or thirty dollars more. Yeah, but how big of a sucker do you feel like if you're one of those people that bought one of those keyboards for like a thousand dollars when? Well, you should. They were... you, you should feel that way. <laughs> like, I mean, again, everybody in life should just do what John Syracuse does, and all he did was he paid uh, Jason Snell retail for his and 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 got his uh keyboard and mouse without any trouble. Mhm. Uh oh, they still have the Hermes. Or sorry, Hermes. Hermes, mhm. Hermes, yeah. So wait, you, you have to remind me. You you never you never bought the spicy orange sport band? No, cuz it 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 wasn't giant's orange. It's yeah, it's the wrong shade of orange, that's right. 
such a such yeah. a great name though fits fits you really well no <laughs> not so, at all. like um uh feisty feisty mango or what was the no it was feisty cherry and don't feisty start... cherry yeah <laughs> i'm, I'm all... we're not bringing back uh Sparta still or sparkling quite yet <laughs> Uh, it was still or still in sparkling, or sorry, still or sparkling has been put on hold by uh, Fixer Upper Corner it's been, for a while. It, it's been put on ice, if you will. <laughs> I'm gonna actually start listening to these to make sure you don't edit out the pause. <laughs> um, okay, this, this is running long. I gave you homework. Did you actually do your homework? I did. I did. Okay. So I'm, and again, I didn't want this to be one of those things because, like, this was just a random thought I had, and I didn't want it to be one of those things where you ask somebody a question just so you can wait to give your answer. But that is partially what I'm going to do. Yeah, okay. Um, so if you were, and I, I do have an answer for this, if you were an eccentric billionaire, uh, what is something you would do? And, and I, the, the intent of this was not something evil, just something weird that you right. would do with that requires a decent amount of money. So I have I have three answers for you. Jesus, okay. <laughs> well, no, because it, it's, it's, so it's three different ways of answering the question. So if I'm answering the question from the perspective of, just like what would I like to personally do with a billion dollars or billions of dollars? Like what, like what would I do more of? And I think just like speaking personally, I would do a lot more traveling because mm-hmm. I mean, a, I mean, traveling is, is just is great. And if I had, you know, the money and more time to do it, I would, but also like traveling in a high end way where like, you know, you're flying first class and you're doing all of that, like that just seems like it would make traveling is already great, but it seems like it would be even better if you could do it in the a kind of a, a luxurious way. So more, more traveling and, and traveling in a, in a nice way is what I would, it's kind of selfishly personally do. Okay. If I'm answering the question from a, like, what would I want to do? Like from a business perspective, I would want to own a professional sports team. I think hmm. that would be so much fun. Okay, hold on. So I did not was that what that wasn't the spirit of the question, but that that is super intriguing. So what 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 sport? It, I I would probably want a basketball team. I mean, hockey would be a lot of fun too, but but basketball would be like being able to sit courtside and do that whole thing like that. I just, that would be amazing. Um, no, not to derail, but I'm going to ask a quick question. Is is there anything that would prohibit somebody from owning both the Clippers and the Lakers? Y- yeah. You can't really, you can't, you own, can't own two teams. No. Hmm. Um, but then I think the third way to answer your question was what I would want to do. Like from a charitable perspective, <laughs> And I would really want to think a lot about and spend a lot of time on expanding broadband internet access across the U.S. and across the world. So I think that's a really important issue that doesn't get enough attention. So yeah, I think those are those are my three kind of three different ways of answering that question. Uh, I should have given more parameters around this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because the guy who just told me that he's he's going to give the nation broadband, now I'm going to give mine. Which I what I suggest this as was if you had a lot of money and you could just do like weird stuff or just like like kind of like solve really narrow problems, what would you do? So mine's going to sound super petty. I would um, make it so that uh, at uh, like marathons and races, I would pay photographers 
to be places around the cor- uh, along the course. And uh, they would take photos of everybody, and they would upload them on the web in high resolution. Um, and I would pay people to uh, develop a really nice front end for that. And people would be able to get race pictures uh, without paying fucking marathon-photos.com <laughs> $79 for a terrible low-resolution photo uh, of yourself. Okay. So <laughs> you're giving people broadband uh-huh. solving an incredibly narrow problem. But an incredibly real problem. Yeah, but also that company is the worst. And they need to stop existing because that's just bad. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't disagree. Have you? Hmm. I, I assume you've never paid for it because because you you probably like two years ago you had like the the running bug for a while and you did like two like four probably four races I think. Um, I, I mean, I'm actually running more now than I maybe ever have, but just well, not, but like official not, like time in, not in events. Yeah, like you you did um, the full San Francisco Marathon. You did the Giants race a couple of times, I think. Yeah. Right. But you, you never bought the photos, right? No, um, I didn't because I just they they never really came out that great. Um, and I was always I was lucky where like I would have um, some friends like at the finish line, and they would take some pictures, and it would be like, yeah, okay, these are these are good, and that'd be that'd be enough. Well, together, people have enough internet access to get their, their race photos for free from me. <laughs> oh goodness that yeah all right we'll we'll, we'll keep this as a thing so, okay. so think think of more narrow and and uh probably more petty okay versions of this question in mind i i can do that all right chef specials okay let's do it um, uh have you thought of a recovery one <laughs> about a what <laughs> have you thought of a substitute one? Oh, the one that i yeah, yeah that that you can't got use right one now? that i can't use yet um yeah, I, I actually have. So I'm, I'm returning to an old one, but with a bit of a twist here. So this is um, the wire cutter. But what's changed here is I think when I, when I officially made this a, this is going back to the pick of the weekdays, this was pre-merger where the wire cutter and the sweet home were still two different sites. And this may have even been like pre-New York Times or sorry, failing New York Times acquisition. Mm-hmm. maybe it was post i don't remember but they, they were definitely still two different sites but now everything's been brought under one umbrella it's all under the wirecutter.com and it's it's a small difference but i think it's a meaningful difference where having a single source to now search for what to buy is so useful because one thing that was a little quirky about the wire cutter and the sweet home was you were never qu- quite sure sometimes which which product category was on which website and that could usually be solved with like a quick google search so it wasn't a huge inconvenience but it was just a little weird quirk in using using the the site so now that everything's under one url it's just such a great experience and it 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 just saves you so much time because they they have everything from you know minor kitchen utensils to headphones to gardening equipment to baby stuff to health stuff. i mean just, they, they cover everything and a, a lot of it is stuff that you just don't want to spend hours and hours researching on your own so it's 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 a, it's a great site it's not perfect um but i think it's it's probably the best review site out there or at least the one that i use the most often 
Um, I, I think they do a really good job of balancing quality and price, which I think a lot of other sites don't do. Um, they're very straightforward about their business model. Um, yeah, I, I, I just, I, they're, they're one of, one of my favorite websites, um, on the internet consistently. Good. Yeah. We, we've talked about them in the past and it, it, it's, it's generally pretty consistently good. Um, also somebody as a joke on the internet this morning bought, uh, the domain just by this one, it's fine.com, which redirects to the wire cutter, which is pretty good. <laughs> that is it's pretty not, good. It's, it's not officially sanctioned, but it's fun. Uh, vaguely related i guess let's let's pretend this is a wire cutter pick uh wireless charging pads mm, um, okay i'm i'm going to i'm going to choose as as, today, as today's special uh the mophie stream pad plus so it's a new generation of the one that apple like originally like you, you remember when the iphone 10 came out and they had like the two blessed ones there's like this weird Belkin one that wasn't very good. And there was a Mophie one, which was fine, but it was kind of, it was expensive and it was kind of whatever. But this one, they finally, or yeah, no, not to use the word finally, but they've come out with a 10 watt version that charges, uh, I think the fastest the iPhone can possibly support. It's got a very, very nice rubberized uh, non-slip surface on it. And it doesn't stand up. It just, it's got a nice wide area. It seems like it's impossible to drop the phone on it and have it not start charging um so yeah I'm, I'm a big fan of it yeah see i i have a i think a samsung one of these that that looks very similar where it you know you just kind of lay your device flat on there but i didn't i didn't find that to be super useful where i didn't really like how the phone was was flat um, so I ended up getting one that kind of props the phone up, which is what I use at work. I can't remember if I've made that a chef special in the past or not. Um, I think you did. It was like a $25 one from Amazon. Yeah. I was going to say, cause that's the other thing that I think that's a little challenging with this movie thing. Like I, I get that it's the 10 watt version, but I mean, what is this thing? 50 bucks, 60 bucks. That's, that's, that's a little expensive. Yeah. But with this one, so I, I, yeah, the stand up ones, it just don't do it for me. I, I just don't like it because if I want to use it while it's on there, um, the nice thing is the Mophie is big enough where like I can still press the the touch ID sensor and I like click the home button and like the phone doesn't move. Mm. And if I'm just like quickly like or if I'm like just working at the desk and the because I have two of these, one for the bedside and one for at my desk, like it it's just in a really convenient place where I don't know I just wouldn't like it standing up. Oh, and I, I I really appreciate the the non slipness of it. See, this is one area where maybe the only area where <laughs> Face ID actually mm-hmm. really does excel. Like the the best the best experience of Face ID is where I've got this Qi charger on my desk at work. I tap the screen, the phone instantly unlocks, and I you know I can see whatever notification or whatever that I want to see. Like that that's really really nice, and the the particular charger i have holds the phone at such an angle where face id generally works pretty well real quick can we talk about that the iphone 8 for some reason and i assume this is probably petty apple uh it only the iphone 10 has a tap to wake oh really i didn't know that it's insane there's no reason why the iphone 8 doesn't support it 
Like, there are $100 LG phones that support this. Huh. Super annoying, because that is the one thing where I was like, that's a really nice feature of the 10. Sure, it's useless to me because I have to crane my whole entire body over it if the to get the phone to unlock for me if it's flat on a table. Um, or I have to do the thing where I lift it to my face. It doesn't recognize it. I have to hold it back down and flip it up again so that it rises again. <laughs> like, there's a lot of weirdness about the iPhone X. But the fact that you could tap the screen was actually really nice. And just for some arbitrary reason, it's not available on the 8, which is super, super silly. Huh. Yeah, I, I was not aware of that. But yeah, that is really dumb. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's go to Magnolia Cellar tomorrow. Let's do it. Oh, it's not cellars. It's silos. Whoops. Eh, they'll probably have a winery soon. 